Sort of the bench mob ENT podcast. We back. It's the big two dynamic duo on tonight. Greg is out there living his best life. Shout out to Chris, who just became officially a father. Shout out to Lindsay. Shout out to y'all having a healthy baby, healthy, beautiful girl. Miles, smooth operator. How you doing tonight? Doing good. Look good. We're having an extension right here. You can <laughs> sit back, chill, work like that. So Starting off with this, before we start on the topics, make sure y'all like, subscribe, share this with any and everybody. We appreciate all those that have been supporting us on social medias. We on everything, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, the whole thing. Jalen Brown, Nets trade has come out, and they said this happened probably like a couple weeks ago, but they're just now releasing it. Um, They think one of the teams leaked it, probably the Nets, but the offer, Jalen Brown, Derek White, Draft pick, Nets came back. I was like, add Marcus Smart to that mix. For either of those trades, are you accepting either of those trades? I mean, if I'm the Celtics, I'm not trading Marcus Smart. I mean, mm-hmm. he's just one defensive player of the year. He's like the glue of the team. So if you're giving up him just to get back Durant, then that's a little too rich for me. To give up, especially coming off a season where you made the finals with the team currently constructed. Um, Who would you add in that mix then for from coming back from Brooklyn? Because I agree, Marcus Smart, that's given up a lot. Also, with some of your role players and your pieces, because I heard, you know, Grant Williams might be in the mix. So, part of what helped them get to the finals was their depth. So, who would you add, you know, for Brooklyn? What would you want back? Like Seth? Either Seth or Patty Mills, somebody who can shoot and space the floor a little bit for, I mean, if it would be Durant and Tatum, so they can, you know, operate in the, the middle of the court. If it's Brooklyn too, though, if I'm able to do so, of course I want Marcus Smart added to that because imagine that line of hypothetically speaking. Marcus Smart, you got Ben Simmons. You got uh, T.J. Warren. You still have possibly Kyrie there. If not, you got a pretty solid team right there. And you add Marcus Smart to that mix. That's probably one of the best defensive front courts in all of all of the NBA. Having Marcus Smart with that mix, T.J. Warren, Royce O'Neal, and Ben Simmons. Oh yeah, give me give me Marcus Smart, and I can see later down the line maybe Boston does do it because you did get Brock. Yeah, I mean, 
especially you're bringing back Jalen Brown and you'd be able to see what he can do if he's the number one option, which I think if he's coming into that team as constructed, you know, Ben Simmons, all the pieces they have, I think he, he could do it. I mean, we've seen what he can do when Jason Tatum's out of the line. I he, think he's, he's a star. Jalen Brown was the best player in the finals for the, for the Celtics. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think he was. And that's another reason why I wouldn't trade Jalen Brown because, I mean, him and Tatum, they kind of feed off each other. They're, this is not a tandem that you want to break up. And who knows? This move could be something that creates a rift between some of the players on, on the Celtics because all these guys have been on this team since they came into the league pretty mm-hmm. much. Like Jalen Brown came before Jason Tatum, but – for the last five or six years, that's been the one-two punch on this team. So I don't know. I I I've read somewhere that this might have been leverage play by the Nets to try to mm-hmm. throw out there like, oh, if if you don't back off these trade talks, Durant, then you know we'll send you somewhere you don't want to go. Because I mean, Kyrie didn't want to stay in, in Boston, so I don't know many players who want to be traded to Boston. Yeah. Not much to, to celebrate out there. They got the Red Sox, Patriots, but it's cold. <laughs> it's a cold town, and you're not going to see too many people that look like you out there. So be be careful what you wish for. Hey, it's looking like that's probably going to be the best option. Either way, wherever Katie ends up going, it's nowhere warm anymore because Phoenix, that's not happening. Miami, they're pretty much out because they don't have what the Nets want. It's either going to be Toronto or Boston. Boy, going to be somewhere cold regardless. I just don't think he's going to get traded, honestly. Because at this point, one, the Nets are asking for too much. And like we said before, they should ask for too much. Because if I'm going to trade Kevin Durant before you know, he does decline, mm-hmm. I need to get back as much as I can to help us not you know, miss a beat moving forward. And, I mean, it's just funny that we never really got to see the whole Ben Simmons, Kyrie, Durant thing play out, but I mean, nobody's traded for any of those guys yet, so that could be something we see in the fall. I think he will end up getting traded. It's just going to be dragged out. It's probably not going to happen until training camp. Um, but if he ends up starting to play for them, then it's curtains. Cause I, I can't see Kevin Durant handling things like James Harden handle yeah. or Ben Simmons. So if he does get traded, it has to happen like right before training camp. So we might see it then. Part of the thing why the Celtics supposedly put Jalen Brown in these talks, obviously he wasn't giving up Tatum, but the thoughts of in the next two, three years, they don't want to give Jalen Brown that max. Do you think Jalen Brown is a max player? I feel like he could be. So I I think – if you're a team and you're getting Jalen Brown, you're paying him for what he could be. I mean, you see him in the offseason. He's working with T-Mac. He's doing pool workouts, so he's clearly working on his explosiveness. And yeah. I mean, if you work on the handles a little more, because we've seen it. Some days it's sharp. Some days it looks like he's dribbling in the pool. It, <laughs> it, it's slippery. So I don't know what other teams view him as, but I think he's, he's one of the most talented young players in this league Mm -hmm. right now. So if not for being overshadowed by Jason Tatum, you'd be talking about him as one of the next great stars of Boston, which I think he is, but it's about how how Boston views him. Yeah, I think he definitely is a max player. I've said this 
for the last like two or three years. And it's just now kind of coming into fruition. But I think Jalen Brown is just as good as Jason Tatum if given the opportunity to do what Jason Tatum does. If he's the one on the team, he's the focal point, I think he will definitely flourish, especially when I said we talk about Brooklyn. You got Ben Simmons with the mix. He's going to get him in way better positions to score. I think Jalen Brown is definitely a max player. And if Boston is on the fence of not paying his man, then, yeah, trade him. So you could get something back for him because right now they're not going to do the the extension until after the contract is done because unless he makes an all-NBA team with Jason Tatum on the squad, which is highly unlikely. Like last year, a lot of people thought he was going to all-star, but Tatum got in. So if he don't make an all-NBA team, he's only going to get something like they said, like 121, which for Jalen Brown, that's that would be criminal. So you got to wait, and I don't think they want to pay him. Yeah. And I don't think they – I mean, since he's been there, I mean, for the last two, three years, Jalen Brown has come up in trade discussions. I don't think they view him like that as a max player. Well, I think they they value him and what he brings to the team. But if you're talking about trading somebody on the team and you want to keep your best player right now, most people would say it's Jason Tatum. So you're not mm-hmm. going to trade him unless you're getting back someone just as good as him. So I think Jalen Brown and Picks can get you somebody just as good as Jason Tatum, which that's why that whole thing is floated out there. Yeah. Speaking of before, it was like an hour or two ago, it's reports that came out that the Warriors do not view Draymond as a max player. I completely agree with them. As valuable as Draymond is to that squad, I wouldn't pay Draymond the max. It's, it's no way I'm paying Draymond the max, especially his contract is up in what, like two years? You could go searching, bro. You're not getting the max from us. I don't see, honestly, I don't see any team in the league that would give Draymond the max. Portland. Portland could be the team that gives him the max. I mean, with Draymond Green, it just comes down to what, what it's going to look like on the back end of that deal. Because that's the same reason that they don't like paying baseball players over 30 mm-hmm. long-term deals. Because, I mean, at some point, the older you get, you're not going to be what you were. Like, I mean, clearly we see he's not what he was. Which is why I want this. I get it. He wants his bread, but come on, bro. Max? Yeah. But he's still incredibly valuable for that team. Like he brings the defensive intensity. He's pretty much the heart of that team. But I think they can manage without him. Although I think so too. I think I don't know. I feel like this is him trying to leverage more money out of them too. Because if I'm him, I would want to stay in one spot my whole career. Like why am I trying to uproot my family out of Golden State where I mean all we do is win. So I don't think he actually wants to leave, but he's putting the pressure on Golden State to be like, I need you guys to show me that you value me as one of the stars. Because I guess he he wants to be kind of the number two behind Steph in terms of how they value Mm. the players on this team. Because, I mean, if you think about it, Steph is the reason Golden State is still Mm. up and running. But Draymond really keeps everything going. With you know, he knows 
Steph. They played together for a long time. So yeah. he knows the ins and outs of his game, Clay's game. Like his IQ is incredible, but like he doesn't shoot it as well. I mean, he never really did, but he, he doesn't shoot it well enough to warrant you paying him like $35 million a year. Which, Heck no. And that's my thing. I think I get it. He probably is doing this for leverage because if he really, if he really be honest with himself, does Draymond play like this on any other team? No, and then I, you wonder if it's the system that puts him in these positions and if he goes to a different team that runs a different system, is he going to be able to, to impact the game the same way? So you might get more money, but you're not going to be as impactful on the court. We saw him when Steph and Clay wasn't there and how that impact wasn't there. He's... I think it's a combination of the product of the system and the product of having great players around him. Mm-hmm. That's where I think is the difference. Like I can't, I can't, I can't give Draymond to Max because Max players should to be able to produce at a high level. Yeah. Regardless, like as much as a Bradley Bill doesn't produce an impact winning, Bradley's field, regardless of who's on that squad, he's still going to be 25 to 28 points five to eight rebounds, like, that's that's consistent. That's going to be there every year. Draymond, if Steph and Clay get injured, what type of Draymond do we see? And it's not it's not a max player. No. I don't even, I don't even know what number we would you would pay him. Obviously, he's valuable to what has happened in Golden State and getting the rings, but max, that's, that's some drunk-level type stuff if you think you get anywhere near the max. Like, yeah, and it's like, it's not like he's hurting for money. Like, they paid him a lot of money on this previous deal. And I could see if it was one of those Scottie Pippen situations where he felt like he didn't took get a pay cut or something. Yeah, he took a pay cut and thought you would treat him better. And no, it's not that. Like, you want to make more money than you already did when you were playing a lot better than you were? Like, I'm sure your IQ is a lot higher now than it used to be. Mm-hmm. That's because you're not as good on the court as you used to be. So you got to kind of weigh those those two in hand. Now, before we transition, like for, for Jalen Brown, right, how many teams in your mind do you think he would be a number one? Like for me? Probably half the teams in the league. I definitely see, like, right now, currently constructed. Obviously, if he got traded to the Nets, he would be number one. If he went to the Magic, that's he's by far, hands down, number one. If he went to the Raptors, I think he'd be a number one. Over Pascal? Yeah, over Pascal. I think Pascal has his moments, but yeah, Pascal still, is inconsistent. Yeah. Spurs? Oh, because they hurt him. There's... They don't really want to win right now, so. Yeah, they wouldn't get him, but <laughs> if Pop had Jalen Brown, he would be ecstatic. That's, he's the number one in San Antonio. Utah, oh. they getting rid of Donovan Mitchell. He's the number one over there. And I think, let's say, in two years, free agency, he heads over to a currently constructed Knicks roster, he would be the number one there. For sure. And I think it would kind of be a – it would kind of be their own version of what Jason and Jalen was. We would have Brown and Barrett. I think that would be a nice, like, 
nobody scoring on Bruno on that. Yeah. You're not getting to the paint with those two right there. So I think he'd be a number one on that squad. And being that he's from Georgia, on Atlanta? No, he wouldn't be. It would still be Trey because he's the point guard. He runs he's my preference, though. I, I, I'm on Jalen Brown over well, yeah. Trey. But Trey is he's, – he's deadly. He's deadly out there. So it's just on both ends if you want a guy to bring it the whole game. He's not someone I would pick. Like, he's going to give you the offense. But what do they say? He's a cone on defense? Yeah. He's the ice tray is ice cold when it comes to defense. Yeah. That man put him in a bunch of pick and rolls, or honestly, you could just put him on an island and it's more time than not you eat it, which is why they got DeJounte Murray mm-hmm. to help <laughs> help in that regard. Because outside of that, I personally, I'm not so, and I'm not the biggest Trey Young fan. I'm not the biggest Donovan Mitchell fan because I think they're both low percentage volume shooters and they don't affect the game in other ways. I get it. They can possibly at any point give you 35, 40, and then probably eight to 10 assists. But I'm not sold on them being Trey Young, Donovan Mitchell, by no means I can't ever see them being a number one on the championship team. Playoff team, yeah. Number one championship team, Donovan Mitchell, no. Trey Young, no. I feel like if the pieces are around Donovan Mitchell, he could. He could be. And as long as he changes you know, his style of play a little bit, where, I mean, Jason Tatum started to do it a little bit this year. He started to move the ball, pass it. Mm-hmm. You're seeing a different side of him. If Donovan Mitchell can you know, get his assists up to like six, seven, and you're getting more ball movement, even if – some of your passes don't lead to an assist for you. You're just making the right play. Then that's where you see, like, the growth in, in your game. Because sometimes you see players out here who, if they're passing it, they want you to score it so they get that assist. Trey not, not necessarily where Trey you're Young. passing it to the right guy who can then make the right pass so mm-hmm. you guys score, just making the game a lot easier. There's not many guys out there like that. No, nah, because I, I think – that's a, another conversation when you talk about the numbers of, oh, he averaged 10 assists, but they're not playmakers. They're not making the right play. It's more times than not, for example, Trey Young, four or five assists throughout the game is a lot. There go five right there in the bank. Other times it would be pretty much I'm getting double team, triple team, now I have to pass it, or I got to steal on a fast break, there's an assist. I don't think Trey Young always makes the right play, especially as a point guard. Now, we have different type of point guards now, so it makes sense he's more of a scoring point guard, not traditional. But this is where I think that lacks in his game. He's not. And you've heard it. John Collins has been saying it for the last two or three years, like, yo, we don't play good team basketball. It's a lot of Trey Young shooting some bad shots, and then everybody else figure it out. Hey. He's shooting, John Collins, he'll get, get the offensive rebound if you want to score. If you want to touch a ball, get, get the rebound, which in the long run, I don't think that produces, again, winning. And that's how you alienate your team. If you're not making the right play, nobody wants to be on the court standing on offense. And then have to be asked to you know play defense with the same guy who's just going to come back down and dribble it and dribble it and pass it where he wants to go. You don't even get a chance to – all these guys work in the offseason on, on stuff to do. So if 
Now you're working on stuff in the off season, you come to the season and the guys you're playing with kind of eliminate what you've been working on. Mm-hmm. And it's frustrating. Saw the same thing with James Harden when he was in Houston. It was, it was the same. That's what I see with Trey Young. It's the same type of he's going to put up good numbers, but it's not good basketball, especially if you watch it. Don't just pay attention to the stats. Oh, he had 15 assists. Pay attention to the game. We mentioned Jalen Brown, potential one of the next all-stars. I won't go too far saying superstars. Who are some other names that come to your mind for the NBA or as the next wave of stars, all-stars, superstars? I mean, you've got to start with Anthony Edwards. I think at some point, the keys are going to get passed to him as the number one guy, the guy you have to look at mm-hmm. on that team moving forward. And I think he's one of the most talented guys in the league. Like if you can just harness everything that he has in his game, the shooting is there. It's just, you know, got to rein in some of those shots. Mm-hmm. He can get by you off the dribble and finish above the rim. So these are things that you want out of like a two guard or a three guard or a forward. I mean, um, I think Ant-Man right now, low-key, that's what they're heading towards by trading for Rudy Gobert. I think that's what they're saying. They want Ant-Man to be their number one because mm-hmm. it's sad to say Cat isn't the number one. I'd have to – if I'm looking at it in the alpha dog – I mean, we saw it with when Jimmy came there. Obviously, the more talented player was Cat. But once Jimmy got there, you know, Jimmy was – that's the one. Mm-hmm. And I feel that's the same trajectory Anthony Edwards is going towards. And it might start next season where we're looking at it like, yo, Minnesota Timberwolves, their team belongs to Ant-Man. Cat, Rudy, D'Angelo, those are nice pieces around Ant-Man. That's how I think it's heading towards because Cat, too inconsistent. Too inconsistent. And when it was time to really show up, and I think also the maturity factor they got him on my, yeah, they got to come back to Minnesota. And then they got smacked. Nah, they shouldn't have lost that series. No. Honestly, the Timberwolves should have not lost that series. I know. That was that was a fun time. That first round where, you know, Pete Bev is going back and forth. Cat is going back and forth. Ja, all of them. But you got to be able to back it up. Yeah, and they said a lot of media players was like, we don't even know where this came from with Cat. This, yeah. <laughs> this is not him. This is not his bag. This is not what he does. But I mean, like we talked about, I think that was a little bit of Pat Bev added. Mm-hmm. That that energy that came with Pat Bev. I think another name that you look at where I'll put him in the superstar category. LaMelo Ball, I think he's gonna end up in that category as a superstar where it's like, oh, they didn't make you know, LaMelo made one all-star. Now, I think we're going to see probably for the next, we're talking about consistently five to ten years, LaMelo's going to be all-star, 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 putting up good numbers, continuing to improve his game. I just think he's in the wrong place for that big of a star that I think LaMelo will be. Charlotte is not – Charlotte don't deserve – don't deserve him. And I don't think he'll fully be able to shine like – we know he can, especially play, playoff time is where you get your 
you get certified, you get stamped. You got to do that same stuff you do in regular season in the playoffs. Charlotte, I don't see being ran by Michael Jordan. I don't see them ever really having any playoff success uh, in Charlotte. I haven't seen nobody wanting to come there. No. I mean, one, on draft day, I thought Golden State was going to take him because I thought Ant and him were one to flip a coin for who was one. But him going to Charlotte is just bad luck because, I mean, like you said, Michael Jordan's running that team. And some of the moves he's made in the past just don't make sense when you think of a guy trying to win right away. Mm -hmm. Signing Gordon Hayward, trading for Gordon Hayward didn't really help you. Giving Terry Rozier all that money. He's an inefficient combo guard, so he doesn't really help you too much either. So, I mean, the moves they've made lately, not a big fan of. And yeah, they probably had to sign back Miles Bridges. And he's going to bring back Montrez here. I mean, that's another story. Jeez. The Miles Bridges situation. But, I mean, Melo, he's, he's box office. Like, any any place he goes, the young kids want to get an autograph, a pick with him. Like, imagine if he was in a bigger Big spot in like New York or L.A. or Send him, send him to the Lakers when LeBron leaves. And I guarantee the stardom goes to – 10 times on a level, and he'll be better than, like, what Lonzo was when he was in L.A. Like, LaMelo deserves to be and needs to be in a bigger market. It's not like, on the flip side, we could see with the Pelicans, where it's like, all right, this actually might work. Because Zion, B.I., who I think is another one of the players that's going to be one of the top 10 players in the next couple of years, Brandon Ingram, Zion, if he play, if he stays healthy. And then you got CJ, the savvy vet in that mix. Pelicans, I definitely say, are in a better position than Charlotte, like going forward. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I think they've made some moves to build around, I guess, Zion Williamson, who he's another guy who's big time. Came in the league averaging like 25 off the grid. 60%. And you can say all you want, like he – Gets a lot of dumps, a lot of low post stuff, but I mean, if you can't stop it, then you got to give him credit. Just like Giannis, when people complain, oh, he can't, he doesn't shoot, he can't shoot. Well, he's still averaging like 30 and 12, just going to the paint, and you know what he's going to do. So, what does that say about defenses that can't stop him like that? Like, it's different in the playoffs when you got the same team you're going to face every time. Mm-hmm for a whole series and they can game plan ways to stop you. But during the season, you're playing a different team almost every night. So they're not going to have the same game plan or same players to put up against you. So I think, I think the Pelicans got something growing over there. They've got some nice young pieces. I like Jose. They got Herb, Herb Jones over there too. Definitely. So they got some, some young pieces to, to go around. Zion and who knows, maybe he'll stick around. I think he's he's gonna stick around um with how things are going. I can see him sticking around. Um they did a good job drafting, and I think also like you alluded to, I think we gotta stop like pinning and pointing out 
the things that's wrong in players' games when they're dominant. So the Giannis is of the world, the uh, Zion's of the world. They used to do that with LeBron. I've seen it. It's like he just goes downhill. You can't really stop it. You can't shoot. I'm like, okay. Until you could his whole career. Till you could stop it. Why should I? Why should I do anything else? Of course, for Giannis, that's where you add to your game because in the playoffs, it's a different monster. But for the most part, if you can't stop me in any other any other profession, if I'm doing this one thing to perfection and it's bringing in production, money, whatever the case may be. You don't stop. If it don't, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. If I'm Giannis, Shaq, Shaq did it for at his peak majority of his career. I'm just putting my nuts on your forehead, and you can't do nothing about it because I'm that dominant. Stop me then. Yeah. Oh, Shaq, all thing he does is don't stop me then. And you saw he added different things to his game for the playoffs, and that's where boom, he was a champion, Giannis. Add a little bit more to his game. Boom, champion. Zion, I think the matter of situation with him is just ain't healthy. He don't even have to add too much of the, the jumper to his game because of how the team is constructed around him. B.I., C.J., they going to handle that. Like, don't even worry about that. Just be you, Zion. Just stay healthy. That's all they're asking for with Zion. Just stay healthy. When we look at... On the NFL side, who are some names that come to your mind for this next wave of superstars and stars in the NFL? I think a guy who's primed for a big season, because, I mean, Amari Cooper's not there anymore, is C.D. Lamb. Like, one, you're wearing one of the most historic numbers in football. Is number 88 in for the Cowboys. Specific, like, too. They don't let anybody just wear that jersey. So clearly they believe that you have the potential to be a number one guy in this this league. And he showed it at times last year. But that's the key point is at times he did. There were other times where he looked like a second-year guy. So I think if he keeps developing and gets that chemistry with Dak, then we could have something here. I'm not – saying it's Aikman and Irvin, but or Tony Romo or <laughs> T.O., but it, it could be something special. And he's one of those young guys who I feel like flies under the radar because mm-hmm. you have so many guys who just right off the rip just come out, guns blazing, like Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson. Like guys like this, they almost rolled into the stardom. It didn't take them. Some guys it takes time and – for him, it took maybe three years. So I think to the system where it, it was so many other options for Dak in that offense. You had Amari Cooper still was there. You had he was using Zeke and Tony Pollard out the backfield. Like Jason Witten was there at one point. That and Soltz was there now at tight end. So I think that's what it was for CD. Like it was other options there, but now obviously this is like they're giving you the keys. Like hey, we decided not to bring back Coop. We need you to really – we believe in you, so this is the year. We're going to give you the chance. You don't got to be concerned about who – you really are going to be the number one option. You should see at least – I think C.D. Lamb should see at least like eight to ten targets at least. At least, yeah. At least every game with, with now with no coop there. It's him, 
and Schultz. For now, yeah, because Gallup's coming off the injury, so they don't really have too much. So he better have a good year. Who else? I, I like Justin Herbert. Of course. I think coming into this season, there's a lot riding on him because, mm-hmm. I mean, when you look at it, with Phillip Rivers, he was a good quarterback, but he never got over the hump of winning in the playoffs. He won a lot of games during the season, but never amounted to anything. So they took him, and I think he's one of the probably top four or five most talented quarterbacks in the league right now. Yeah. Like he can make all the throws. He's athletic enough that he can scramble out of the pocket too. So I think even though he's the second most talented in that division, I think this year he's got to take that step to now you see them neck and neck with the Chiefs. Because for years, I mean, for the last few years, it's just been the Chiefs. You don't you could really, you, yeah, you could just pencil them in pencil, winning exactly. that division. So they brought guys around him on defense, like they traded for Khalil Mack. You bring Mike Williams back. You still got Keenan Allen. Who, like, yeah, and he is so consistent, so consistent, so mm-hmm. underrated. Like he's not often brought up in the top wide receiver conversations, but he really is every year. Honestly, really a top five, top yeah. ten wide receiver. And I, if I'm him, I'm fine, I'm fine with that. Just you know, don't forget me when you got to bring me my gold jacket at the end. Oh, Hall of Famer. Yeah. At this point, and he's got Justin Herbert for the next however long he wants to play. So them numbers going to look nice. They're going to look good. He's 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 a better quarterback than Philip Rivers already, mm-hmm. in my opinion. So I think that duo is going to grow. And Herbert, his his goal should be trying to win this division. It's a tough one this year because now you add Russell Wilson into that mix. Derek Carr is adding Devontae Adams to that mix. But, I mean, that's the name of the game in this league. You you draft quarterbacks to, at some point, show that they're better than everybody else's quarterback. And you would want that type of competition because if you do well and you succeed, again, in that division, that only just helps your status out, like, Let's we looking at this 10 years from now. We're like, yo, the Chargers actually was the top team the next two, three years. That's going to only solidify even more. Like, you look at even like Aaron Rodgers, he's talented, but as of late, Aaron Rodgers hasn't produced in regards of winning and doing things in the big game. San Diego, not San Diego now, they Los Angeles, but the Chargers got to be able to, with Herbert, get to that next level, not just be a good regular season team. That's kind of been their MO. Going back, like you said, to Philip Rivers, talented teams, Philip Rivers, LT, Antonio Gates, Hall of Famers, never did anything with all that talent. Did nothing. LT breaking records, Antonio Gates breaking records, Philip Rivers breaking records. One of the most electric offenses of all time. They're in that conversation and they never did anything with it. Nothing. Nothing came of it at all. Not even a Hey, we made it to the Super Bowl and uh, we just fell short. Nothing came from it. Yeah. You don't want to be one of those players who they talk about you and talk about, oh, during the season, he was electric. He was fantastic. But they they don't mention you with the greats unless you do something in the playoffs. Like for him, the goal this year should be we need that first round playoff game to be home in LA. Like if that's the case, then. Things could change. be looking good at that point. That means they probably won the division. So, I mean, Kansas City's not down, but they're 
definitely hurting a little bit losing Tyreek Hill, who's one of the top three playmakers in the league right now. Another name for me that pops up, Kyle Pitts, I think, is one of the Titans that's on the rise. You don't have Matt Ryan there anymore. Marcus Mariota was named the starter this year, just like literally a couple hours ago. I think Kyle Pitts, he had a nice, quiet season last year. He went over 1,000 yards. He had, what, 68 catches. The touchdowns really weren't there because it was Matt Ryan. I don't think Marcus Mariota is an upgrade, but he's literally like the number one option here. They drafted um, Drake London. Drake London. So it was him and Drake London. That's it. Because my man is on a year suspension, right? Was it a year or? No, it's the full season. Full season. It was on a suspension. So those are the two main options right there. And typically, we've seen it before, sometimes the favorite target of a quarterback, especially one that's not that talented, is tight end. Yeah. I mean, if Ridley wasn't giving me picks on FanDuel, we'd be watching him out here this year. And maybe they go a different route than taking Drake London. But like you said, Kyle Pitts, he has that rapport. Well, he's going to have to develop that rapport mm-hmm. with Marcus Mariota, but he's got to jump on Drake London in the sense that he's been in this offense for a year. So, one, everybody knows that a quarterback's best friend is usually the tight end or the slot guy. Mm-hmm. But in this sense, Kyle Pitts kind of can be both. He can play the slot. He can be a tight end. Like he's one of those freak of natures where that's why he went so high in the draft last yep. year. Because I'm a Florida fan. I saw it all three years he was there. He's a matchup nightmare. Six six, pretty much can jump out the gym. So that means just throw it up to him. He can either run by you, jump over you. There's a lot of scenarios where he has a really good season. And I mean, the good thing with the NFL is that they have this tight end you. Where, where Kittle and Travis Kelsey run it, they mentor all these young tight ends and you kind of take something from each of these players and they show you stuff to get an upper hand. So I think year two is going to be a big one for Kyle Pitts. I can definitely see that. Uh, on the other side of flip side, we're talking about the defense. In Atlanta, A.J. Terrell, I think, I think personally, I had him doing better last season – than Diggs. Everybody was talking about Diggs. And, of course, the interceptions and returning for touchdowns was important. But A.J. Terrell allowed 29 catches for 200 yards all year and surrendered a league-low 47.5 passer rate. I take that over the 45 interceptions Diggs had. I I want A.J. Terrell. A.J. Terrell... Not saying he's like this, but AJ Terrell's game is more kind of like Darrell Reeves. You're not. I might not get a. I might see it sometime this year. I gotta. I hope they play the Jets because I want to see. Yeah, I might not. You feel me? Like no, no, no. I I get what you're saying. I might not get the eight, nine interceptions, but that's because I'm locking your man's up. You don't want to throw it this way. Like Darrell Reeves didn't always lead the league and was in the top for interceptions. Because most of the time you wasn't even trying to throw that way. Because you either it was getting picked or I'm deflecting it. I'm on him like that. So he's not going to be able to get the catch. There's no room. You can't even throw it there if you want to because there's no room. And AJ Terrell gives me that vibes of 
I think AJ Terrell is going is going to be ultimately, at least this season, Diggs could change his game up. But from what I've seen so far, I want AJ Terrell that's not going to give up a bunch of yards over Diggs, who's going to have two interceptions that game, but gave up 200 yards. Because in the long run, I feel that's going to hurt depending on who you play. A great quarterback is going to make sure they capitalize on that. Yeah. And I think with Diggs, I, I think people point out the interceptions and the yards last year, but if you think about it, he's been playing this position maybe four years now because mm-hmm. he, he was a receiver at first at Bama. And then they switched him, and I mean, sometimes it works that way. So that's where the natural hands come from mm-hmm. that he can make those plays. But I think he'll, he'll just keep growing. I think last year was a big step, although he did give up a lot of yards because he can gamble. He thinks he can pick everything. And that's the thing. As a cornerback, you don't need to pick everything. You just need to make sure the other guy doesn't catch it. Yep. So if he can improve in that sense, you know, maybe you sacrifice five of those picks for more passes defended or less yards per game. And now you start to get more respect in the league because right now, like you said, people think he's overrated. I mean, you can say that, but it's tough in this league to get how many picks? 11, 12? You can't. You can't really walk into an NFL season and just. I'm going to go get 12. Yeah. It's not that easy. Because honestly, like you said, the other thing, you still got to catch it because there's a lot of defensive backs that have the opportunity to have interceptions and they. They drop it often. It's not that many. On average, you talk about, we look at the stats typically over the last probably like 10, 15 years, not many defensive backs hit 10 interceptions. Like, that's the benchmark. Oh, you had double digit interceptions this year? Pro Bowl, definitely. Pro Bowl. Because that typically doesn't happen. So he had double digits. So I give him respect in that. I just think he gambles too much. And that's where I would rather have AJ Terrell. But like you said, he could change it this year. He could change his year. I just hope he does. Because if he just keeps playing this way, it's going to, I'm telling you, just in Dallas Cowboys fashion, it's going to be they make the playoffs and they lose the game on Diggs Gamble. Because playoffs, that's when you're seeing more of the game planning and the elite talent. You go against one of these elite quarterbacks, like Aaron Rodgers. He's going to make Diggs pay. That's the thing. If you do watch film, Kyler Murray, you can see that the plays that you made in the past, you can see where you went wrong. You can see the mistakes you make and how you can grow from there and and not make those same mistakes. I'm sure he's watched film over and over again in the offseason. And whoever's worked with him has probably shown him those clips where he did gamble. And it's like, oh, you, you thought he was doing this, but... Receivers have that on you right now. They know that you're you're going for the pick. You're not necessarily trying to stop them. So you got to play that to your advantage. Speaking of, it wasn't on the docket, but real quick, what was your your initial thoughts when you saw that? Where it said Kyler Murray, a part of his contract was that he had to do independent film study, not what we do as a team, but independently, he had to do film study. I thought it was funny because 
it's like this is a job at this point so four hours one it's not that much if you think about it in a week how many hours is that like yeah, when i saw that number he's coddled as heck by arizona only four hours yeah that's like 168 hours in a week so if you're thinking about it that's that's like one percent of your week and that's not even in a day you can spread that out you could do like 20 minutes here 20 minutes there at least they're not giving you film to bring home so you could you know now you're a part of the Jamarcus Russell story where you, you say, yeah, 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 I watched that film and it was a blank CD. You don't want to be that guy. So I just thought it was, it was pretty funny because when you think about it, like you gave up baseball for the sport. So you should work as hard as you can. You're one of the most talented quarterbacks mm-hmm. in the league. And you were doing it without watching film. So just imagine what that next deal will look like if you do watch film, you do grow, you start to play better, you start to make the right reads because you're better prepared. That's what it's all about. I think on the flip side, I think it was it was a bad look on the aspect of we look at the big picture. That is one of the things that they always say about black quarterbacks, about that, yeah. that they're not knowledgeable, that they aren't smart, that they don't know how to read plays and things of that nature for that to come out. And he's came out and admitted that he doesn't watch in this film. I think that is just something that they add to the stigma when you look at quarterbacks coming into the league, coming into the draft. They're like, yo, hey, do you watch him? Kyler Murray, that's the thing that's scary too at the on the other side. He's had this success without watching film. Watch the film. Like yeah. it's your job. I can't sometimes comprehend when people, they get paid to do this millions of dollars. This is your job. And you don't take it serious. You don't get better. You, you don't improve. Like you look at the last two seasons, D hop gets injured. Somebody gets injured. Main target. Kyle again, kind of go down. Maybe if you watch film, you could figure out, hey, this is where I could put this wide receiver in. This is where, oh, the defense is playing like that. All right, we should run this. Get to the point where you study it so well where you could be like, not saying he'll ever be to this point, but like a Peyton Manning, like a Aaron Rodgers, where, hey, we know, you know the offense like the back of hand. You start calling audibles, and you call the right audibles, and we're like, yo, we can't do nothing with this man. I think that's the next level he needs to get to, and I think it wasn't a good look for the black quarterback that the fact that it came out that he doesn't watch film and that they had to put it in the contract, which to me tells me that, hey, we've asked him to watch film before. We had to put it in the contract now. I think that is a damning on him and the black quarterback in general. I don't think that was a good look. And when you look at another black quarterback, as usual, every offseason, we see it. An anonymous defensive coordinator had this to say about another black quarterback named Lamar Jackson. If he has to pass to win the game, they ain't winning the game. He's so unique as an athlete, and he's really good at football. But I don't care if he was the league MVP 12 times. I don't think he'll ever be a number one as a quarterback. Oh, you alluded to last week that you know you got to be able to pass. What was your thoughts on uh, 
the anonymous defensive coordinator saying this about Lamar? You know, it's tough because you always see this in the NFL, at least, where random guys that coach in the league, they don't want to put their name on what is being said, but they find a way to crap on another player in the league. And mm-hmm. I think it was wrong that it came out like this. But, I mean, I saw it was in an article on The Athletic where mm-hmm. they're asking questions to different guys and they're giving their opinions. But I don't know. I think he needs to improve with being able to sit in the pocket and go through three or four reads before he starts to run. Because I think he has one guy that he's looking at when the ball snapped, and if it's not open, then I might scramble for a second to to find someone else, but then I'm running. Like that's his that's the stigma with Lamar and a lot of black quarterbacks is if that first read isn't there, then they're the read at that point. They're the one making the play. So I think in order for him to grow and, and he's dealing with this whole contract, I wouldn't even call it just dispute because he he's at camp, he's practicing, he's going yeah. about his business. So there's nothing to dis- dispute. I think he's waiting on these other numbers. Like his deal last year, like I heard on the radio, it, it would have been a pay cut compared to what it's going to be now. So shout out to him for waiting, but the way you get more money on top of that is if you come out here and show that you've improved in those areas where, you know, you're playing quarterback. We want to see you pass it. And that's what I meant about that when I said that last week is that it's kind of like the Michael Michael Vick comparisons. Like Mike Vick, one of the most gifted passers in the league, but mm-hmm. you couldn't tell by the numbers because – most people associate him with running the ball or rushing it and get a gun for an arm, but it wasn't used the right way. So you don't want to see Lamar in that same vein, even though you look at his completion percentage and it's not like it's in the fifties. It's he's thrown in the sixties all his career, but a lot of those are short passes over the middle to the tight end. So I'm sure if you looked at the statistics for, maybe 15, 20 yards downfield, that completion percentage goes down. I do agree that he probably has to work on his accuracy, deep balls, and going 15 or 20 yards. I just think this is the same situation in a, in a way with Josh Allen. Before Josh Allen got big, there was a lot of question marks. There was a lot of concerns like, oh, can he – pass can he make the big throws he got digs and all those question marks went away he had that huge leap that we've never seen in any sport a leap like that i think they gotta get lamar some more weapons outside of mark andrews get him a real true number one wide receiver and then let's see what he can do Let's see if he's making these passes. I think it's unfair to him because I'm like, yo, he, if we look at since he's been in the league, who's been outside of Mark Andrews? Who's really been a wide receiver like that, a, a top-notch talent 
target for Lamar Jackson. That's the thing, though. Sometimes you don't need that top notch. Because if you look at it, besides Randy Moss, Tom Brady's never really had a top notch receiver to throw to, throw to. I mean, he's had Gronk, but then you look down the list of the receivers that have come in and out of New England. It's not really something that you want to be thrown to, but mm-hmm. he made it work. So that's the thing. Lamar's got to show he can make it work with what they've got because they did draft Bateman in the first round last year. So the thing coming into this season is he's the guy now. This is his – he's the number one receiver on this team. Technically, Mark Andrews is, but he's not a receiver. He's a tight end. So mm-hmm. they, they need those guys on the outside to be able to make plays. So Lamar doesn't have to use his legs as much. Like he – got hurt for the first time last year because he had to use his legs too much. And, like, you don't want to take that away from him or take that out of his game, but you want him to do it a little less to make the game a little easier for him because he's taken a lot of hits in his NFL career, and it's just funny because he gets right back up. But those will start to take a toll on him mm-hmm. down the road. But I think I think you get him, get him a couple more weapons. I think get him a couple more weapons. You change up the offense a little bit. You tweak it here and there. Put him in more positions where he's passing, and it's not, you know, we got the read options and stuff like this. Put him in position to make it be that he has to pass. And if we still continue to see him run a lot, all right. Now we could have uh, we got that conversation, bro. You just you just another Mike Vick. I feel. Even with them drafting Bateman last year as the number one pick, number one in the first round, I still don't think that's enough. Bateman and Andrews. I mean, they they've taken some guys. I don't even I think, think the offense is set up really for him to even be like that anyway, because it's J.K. Dobbins, Lamar running. It's mean, a run first team. That's the thing. So it's just play action here and there. Like he's not. I think if they had more weapons, you might see them open up the offense more. They don't have the weapons like that to even to do that, even if they wanted to. Well, because the DNA of the Ravens has always been defense, ground and pound, and QB just can't make too many mistakes. And that usually gets the job done. Like, they were the best team in the AFC last year before he got hurt, and then things just fell off the wagon. So I think – one, he wins, which is a big thing going into this next contract. Two, you just need to see some growth. And, I mean, like you said, he might need some more weapons, but that's not coming any t- anytime soon. Actually, so it's not. <laughs> he's got he's to deal with what he's got. And if he can make plays and he can improve this year with what he has currently constructed, then, mm-hmm. yeah, then it's justified. As of right now, as of right now, how I view it, how I see it, one thing I do agree with what the anonymous defensive coordinator said, he's more number one as a player. He's not – I don't view him as, all right, the traditional quarterback. Like, no, he's just – he's a go-getter. That's it. Like, he's a a football player. Like, it's not going to be pretty 90% of the time. But – like we saw last year, a lot of those games were very ugly games, but they won. I just think that's what Lamar is as of right now. He's just a ball. I'm going to make said, it happen. He set the bar so high with that MVP season because he was, what, 
35 touchdowns throwing, maybe eight or nine picks. And his passing looked a lot more crisp that year than Mm -hmm. it has lately. And if you think about it, that year, he didn't have too many number ones. He had Hollywood Brown and a couple other guys, but he was making plays. So you just want to see him get back to that point where he's making plays. He's using his legs as a threat, but not the end-all, be-all. So you can run out of the pocket because when that happens, they're going to collapse. They're going to, they're always going to have a spot for you just because you're so electric. You're probably the fastest guy on the field most of the time. Yeah, most likes. You've got to use that to your advantage now. So he's got to watch the film. He's got to see what works, what could work, what what could I do this year that could set me up better than last year. Because the numbers weren't that bad, but they weren't that good either last year. Like he was getting by with some, some rough games last year. Just was getting the wins. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a lot of what it was. Um, outside of that year, he had a thirty-five touchdown. Even if you look at some of his actual games, that's just Baltimore style of play. It's really a lot of we just go muck it up. and We are gonna win any way possible. Like it doesn't have to look pretty. And that's in general, if we really think about it, that's really that division period: Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati. That's always been that type of game for those teams, Cleveland, uh, they just been, they more so just, you're not going to produce when it matters. So that's all I mentioned those three teams, but that's how it is with them. AFC East predictions, go down in teams, tell me what you think their records are going to be. The Miami Dolphins, I see 10 and 7. I can see that. I mean, when you get a guy like Tyreek Hill, that automatically should add couple more wins to your slate mm-hmm. just because of how dynamic he is. And now you're adding that to what Jalen Waddle brings. That's going to be a dangerous combo right there. Like both those guys can take it to the house. That was one of his comps coming out of the draft two yeah. years ago was Tyreek Hill. So now you've got Tyreek Hill one and Tyreek Hill two on the same team. It's going to be tough to stop, but that, depends on what Tua brings to the table. Because, I mean, he was doing his whole media show and saying how he wanted to play for the most accurate quarterback in the NFL. But let's see what happens. You're, it's not Patrick Mahomes anymore. You can't it sure throw it as far as you can run. Like, Tua's going to throw you, like, 20, 30-yard passes, and you got to make the play, which he's capable of doing. He's capable of doing. So – We'll see. This team, they've got some growing pains that are going to ensue just because they got a new coach. So they're not dealing with the drama of last year. That's got to be behind them now. And we'll see what this offense looks like under his control. Um, I'm going to say 9 and 8, 8 and 9. 9 and 8 for the Dolphins. All right. Let's go with. The New England Patriots. I say New England this year is going to be seven and ten. I get it. Bill Belichick has said that Mac Jones has looked great and he's improved. They still haven't even named the offensive coordinator or a defensive coordinator. I just I can't see it. I can't see it this year. Um, they play competitive. That's what you're going to see with a Bill Belichick team. They're going to be competitive, but I think it's another year where 
You're talking about seven and ten, maybe eight wins. They're not making the playoffs, especially especially in this AFC this year. Oh, Lord. If they make the playoffs, if the Patriots make the playoffs this year, that'll be low-key one of the best coaching years for Belichick in competition with, like, even the Super Bowl years. If he could get this team in the playoffs, you would have to see – a building a coaching job, and then Mac Jones actually really came back and take a, a, a leap because last year Mac Jones looks good hearing. I like to consideration the Bill Belichick factor. And you're saying 10 and 7 for the Patriots? For the Patriots. You think Just, they make the playoffs? I hope not. Just like I don't want to be like Greg and come out with a hot take for my team when we, we start talking about them. But Patriots, I think it's like nine and eight, ten and seven. Mm-hmm. I think they gotta let the, the reins out on Mac Jones. Like they can't hold him back. There was one game last year where I think he threw two passes. That and they won. Again. Which just shows how good of a coach Bill Belichick is. So if he can win like that, imagine what he can do with you know letting this kid do what he can. Like you took him middle of the first round pick or middle of the first round. So he's not one of those guys that you're going to do this in year two. Let's see what he got. Yeah, you got to see what he's got. I'll let you start off on this one. The Jets. I don't want to like undersell it because I'm optimistic. With this year, because we've made a lot of moves these last couple of years, draft picks, improved the defense, but we'll see. So I think they're still looking for secondary help, which is where we, we need it the most. Um, but it's going to be tough for us to have like a truly good season just because our schedule is like probably top three hardest in the league right now. It's truly tough. Yeah. Like we start off with. Lamar at MetLife, so motivated Lamar gets to come to MetLife, and we'll know right away how good this team is. But for now, I'm going to say eight and nine. I think if Zach can improve, then we could look at a higher number than that. It just depends on how much, because the receivers are there. We got Garrett, we got... Elijah Moore, Corey Davis, Denzel Mims, if he feels like it. We got we got the weapons now. We got Brees Hall, Michael Carter. We got a line now. We got guys on D-line. So it's one of those things where it comes down to quarterback play, which in the NFL, that's what it always comes down to. If your quarterback's not playing well, you're not really going to win too many games. So – I think he's one of the most talented QBs as far as arm talent, but that's a stigma you don't want to be associated with your whole career is that like your arm is strong. Like if you're a strong armed quarterback, then usually means you're inaccurate. If that's how they're describing it, that's how Josh Allen was described for two years until he really broke out. So, I'm optimistic that Zach could break out this year, but 
I'm going to undersell them just so I don't look stupid like Greg did. <laughs> so. Based off everything you said right there because of the strength and schedule, I see them being 6 and 11, 7 and 10 because it's a tough schedule. I am like when the draft went down, if you remember when we was talking about the draft, I like, I think they just had one of the best drafts. Obviously, like you said, the secondary is still some some concerns, but I think the Jets are, for the first time probably in the last five years, are really headed in a nice trajectory. I could see the Jets being in that playoff conversation, give it two, three years, and it could be sooner, all dependent on Zach Wilson. I'm just saying off the strength of schedule, hey, if he comes out and he balls out, y'all could be talking about, hey, we're a wild card team. We're in the playoffs. It's just I'm a bet on the gauntlet of the schedule. That day. Yeah. Some of these teams is going to get them problems. There'll be some growing pains this year. And then we see a nice leap next season for, for the Jets. I just yeah. think it's going to be some growing pains. Y'all schedule is brutal. Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking that with another year in the system, because last year was the rookie year for a lot of guys, the offensive mm-hmm. coordinator, the head coach, Robert Sala, and Zach Wilson. They were all trying to learn what to do in their job, what works, what doesn't work, and trying to grow in this offense and trying to fix this defense. So I think yeah. they made good strides moving forward with that, and I'm optimistic that Another year in the system, Zach can just finally just let it loose. He doesn't have to think too much because when you're thinking out there too much, that's when you do make those those plays that scratch your head, you, that make you scratch your head. Mm-hmm. So I think we'll we'll see a lot less of those type of plays and more of the the plays that you know justify him being drafted number two. The Buffalo Bills. What's their record this year? I'm gonna say twelve and. Five, I think, I don't know. I think they're not going to be as dominant as they were last year. Because mm-hmm. one, it's a new system they're going into this year. Brian Dable has gone. He's in New York. Well, New Jersey now. But yeah. he went down, <laughs> down to the, the Garden State. And usually it, it takes time for quarterbacks to learn a new system and what works last year with Dayball, they might not use it too much this year. I don't know. Ken Dorsey. I know him as the Miami quarterback from the early two thousands with Willis McGahee and Ed Reed teams, but I don't know too much about him as far as calling plays. So I feel like he's got to learn what works for Josh Allen and they've got to kind of, you know, come together because I mean, they're feeding this team a lot of hype right now as far as Super Bowl run. I mean, they even got them playing the Rams week one, almost as like a showcase, like, oh, this could be sort of like a Super Bowl matchup here. I think they're uh, number one or two favorite in Vegas as getting to the Super Bowl. Yeah. And that's they should. I mean, we got Josh Allen, one of the best quarterbacks. He might be top two at this point as far as quarterbacks, just because of what he brings, like the arm talent, he's gotten a lot more accurate and he brings that kind of Cam Newton-like running ability Mm -hmm. to his game. I see him being 13 and four and 
they they're my Super Bowl pick right now coming out of the AFC. I think they're gonna have the home home field. Josh Allen is Josh Allen. You add Von Miller to that mix on the defense. I can see this being the year where it's like, all right, they take that, they take that next league. They've been having a struggle with Kansas City for the last couple of years, and they've had to deal with Mahomes. But the Chiefs, I think, because of that division, they're going to beat up on each other so much, it's going to help Buffalo. Pat Mahomes not going to be able to just dominate this year like he's done in the past because that division from top to bottom now is tough. So I can see Buffalo. I can see Buffalo going to the – to the Super Bowl. I don't know if they're going to win it. That's a whole other story. But I got Buffalo 13-4. They're my favorite in the AFC. I think it's just their time. Like, they've gotten close for the last couple of years. They've gotten close. But I think this is going to be their time this year to actually, boom, they put it all together. Yeah. We'll see. But, like, especially with Pat Mahomes, this is going to be a big year for him as far as growing as a quarterback because I think – Having Tyreek Hill kind of handicapped him as far as how he plays the quarterback position. Because if you have him on your team, you just throw it up and he'll outrun any DB out there. And you get it to him and he'll make any play possible. So wow. now we're going to see. Turns into 55. Yeah. Yards. So now we're going to see. All right, Pat, now you got to break it down. Take more 10, 10 yard passes, 15, 20 yard passes. No more you know, 60, 70 yard bombs that we're, we're accustomed to seeing with the Chiefs every week. Like now you got Juju, you got Kelsey still, and you got some young pieces. Do you and think McCole Hartman steps up this year and has a better year? I mean, you'd hope so, but I think him filling Hill's shoes is gonna be tough. Like Hill for his size was pretty solid, solidly built. Nicole's still kind of small mm-hmm. on his end. So I think he's still going to get play in that Tyreek Hill mode. But I think the good thing is he's going to be able to spread it around a lot more this year than in years it past. Year. Yep. It was Kelsey and Tyreek Hill show. And then yeah. and that's why you draft those guys in fantasy football because you knew Mahomes was going to throw it to Kelsey. You knew he was going to throw it to Tyreek Hill. And that was, you know, guaranteed value in fantasy and it was going to work every year but we'll see close out the show with the mlb trade deadline y'all asked for this y'all definitely want us to talk about this there's some big names out there the yankees are in conversation for multiple players one of the biggest names that stuck out to me that's out there that's possibly could get traded but i don't think he will shohei otani they said he's basically he's shown frustration in the losses, which that's all they've been doing before he even really got there. They've been a, they haven't really seen success in a long time. It's just I can't see them trading him because they they will probably never see that level of a talent again on that team. So they'll listen to offers, but I can't see them trading him. I mean, I could see them trading him just because of the fact that one, they're paying Trout over four hundred million. They're paying Anthony Rendon over like two forty. And now, what do you think Otani's going to get? 
He's he could be in the Cy Young race. He can win an MVP. He's gonna get the biggest contract MLB's ever seen. So one, I don't think they're gonna be able to pay him. If I'm him, I wouldn't want to stay in LA. At least not this part of LA. And the best thing they could do is try to get something for him now, which is what the Nationals are doing with Juan Soto. They're trying to get something for him now of value before he can just walk away for nothing. So where do you think if some possible destinations for Otani that would work for, for both sides? Because obviously every team in the league would love to have Otani on their team, but every team doesn't have the goods to offer you know, the young prospects, some of the players that are available right now, the stars right now to actually send for Otani. It's kind of like the Kevin Durant situation. Like, it's Shohei Otani. Like, you're going to have to – it's going to be a nice haul. You can't just send back a couple of prospects coming up. And, like, no, you're going to have to send a nice amount for Shohei. I can see the Dodgers. I mean, you wouldn't have to go too far. So – I can see the Dodgers making a play for him just because they do have the MLB ready talent. They got the prospects. They got the prospects to to send over to, and whatever that trade is going to look like, it's going to be a whole. Like it's going to be so many players going over just for this one guy, because that's how good he is. Like he's got a sub two point five ERA. He's his strikeouts for nine innings is like almost 13 at this point. Might be even higher than that. And then you take the hitting aspect of it, like he crushes balls. So that's the thing. If you want him, you got to give up a lot. And the Dodgers have what it takes. The Yankees have what it takes. Uh, I'd even throw the Mets in there because their farm system looks pretty good. They got a couple guys in AAA who are ready to play right now, but this team is rolling and they're not going to call them up yet. And I think that's partly because, one, they, they might be involved in a trade, and two, the team's rolling. So, But imagine a team where you have Otani, Scherzer, and DeGrom in your lineup, and then you have Otani and Pete Alonso in your lineup. So that could be a, a scary team right there. Like, if I'm the Mets, I'd shift from looking at Judge because he'd be crazy to go to the Mets. And I'd look at what, what it would take to get Otani. For the Yankees, they're linked to a couple of names. You know, Soto, Andrew Benetinelli, Luis Castillo. Which, especially with you as being a Yankees fan, which do you think would be the best fit and which player would you want the most? Like, that could be the same answer for those, but one player might be a better fit than the other. And then what player would you actually want the Yankees to get? I mean, the one I want would be Soto because guys like this don't hit the market that often. Like guys who have a World Series, they've got a batting title. They're 23 years old and they're already one of the best players in the game. If you can get him and you have what it takes, you you do it. You know, you know, prospects are prospects. That's why people in the NBA trade first round picks down the line because I don't care about this middle schooler from the class of 2029. 20, like 
he's not going to help me right now. Mm-hmm. He can help their team when it comes down to it, but who knows? We'll still be good at that point, so it doesn't even matter. So it's one of those things where, like, you never know with a prospect. All these players in the MLB were prospects at one point until yeah. they proved what they could do. So I think you go for the proven thing in Juan Soto over some of the, the prospects they have in the, the minor leagues because, I mean, I'm tired of it. The Yankees can pay all these guys. They don't have to penny pinch like they've been doing, but that's what they've been doing. They've been penny pinching, and that's why this judge thing is dragged out for so long. But they have enough money to pay him and Soto, those big mega yeah. deals. So it, it's a joke when I hear that, oh, it's got to be either or. No, we can have both. We're the Yankees. We can really do good. that. Really good. <laughs> but what makes the most sense is Luis Castillo from Cincinnati because our pitching staff is kind of struggling right now. It was the, the strength at first. Yeah. Because we had Tyone, we had Severino. Nestor's been good all year. So we, we really have just Nestor and Gary Cole to rely on right now. And in a playoff series, I don't know if I want to put all that pressure on Nestor. So Luis Castillo. Exactly. You want to bolster that up. Yeah, you got to bolster that up. Like, we lost some guys in the pen. But I'm more worried about who's starting the game, not who's finishing. Because I, I have confidence that those guys will come around when it's time. But it's the starters. Like, not everybody can pitch in New York. But it's time to take a chance. We got the best record in baseball. This could be our year. You got to go all out. Like if it's getting Soto, it's getting Castillo, you got to pick one, but you got to be decisive with what you do. I think one player that the Mets should really look into, and, you know, obviously Shohei, if you could get him, get him. But they need help on the aspect with their catcher. Wilson Contreras is out there. I think they should make that happen, help that out. They need some help. Their pitching staff really isn't a concern for them. Theirs more so is hitting so if you could get him in there and they've had problems for catchers for for a while they haven't had a consistent good solid catcher so i think you trade for him you mentioned the dodgers possibly getting shohei we mentioned the mets how they've been playing on that aspect who do you see coming out dodgers mets braves I feel like one, the Mets need to win the division. They need home field in the playoffs because one, they expanded the playoffs. The wild card is going to be a I think best of five or best of three. Mm-hmm. I got to look it up. But I think it's best of three. Best of three. Um, so you want to be able to play two of those games at City Field. So. I think they have DeGrom coming back. They said he'll, his next start is going to be in City Field. So that's good news for Mets fans. But you've got to worry about the lineup a little bit. Like, you you got to give Pete a rest at some point. Lindor, he's played good, but he's not playing up to what you'd expect. Like, his average is around the 240 range. And if it was around 280, which is like his career batting average, you'd feel you feel better, better about you'd that. You feel better, but 
I mean, there's not too many things you can complain about with the men. So I think they're going to be aggressive at the trade deadline next week because they know, I mean, things like this don't come around that often where all of a sudden they sucked last year. And now you hear they went from worst to first almost overnight. So I think they got an owner who is going to spend money. He's not afraid to trade for guys. And that's what you want to see. I'd rather have him owning the, the Yankees right now because we'd have Juan Soto. We have Castillo already. Mm-hmm. I mean, money is all relative to these guys. So really is. When you look at some of the other names out there, are there any other like names that come to your mind that we didn't mention that are some big names out there that should be talked about for uh, the trade deadline, which is coming up next week? We mean like teams or players? Uh, players. Uh, I think the Nationals are they're selling right now, clearly. Like if you're getting rid of Soto, that means you don't really plan on being competitive moving forward. So nope. I think Soto's the biggest name. You got Josh Bell on the, the Nationals too, mm-hmm. the first base guy who's been hitting lights out this year. Um, who else? There's a lot of teams that suck this year that got to trade people. The Royals got to trade Ben Attendee because, I mean, he's good. He's having a, a great year, first time All-Star this year. But there's not many times you get that same production back-to-back years. So if you suck, you got to trade these guys while you can because they still have Whit Merrifield, who – I think he won a batting title a couple years ago, and now he's struggling. So that window is sailed. You're not going to get the same prospects you would have you know, a couple years ago. I can see Ben Attendee going to a team like the Braves. I think they mentioned the Braves, Guardians, and the Padres are up in there in the mix trying to get them. I think definitely the Braves. And I heard even Yankees had them as like a, a backup option on their mind. I don't. I would rather, if I'm the Yankees, I'm trying to get Soto. And if it doesn't work, maybe you give a look at him, but I'd rather have Soto. You have Soto, you have some mix with Judge. I think that solidifies them. We might as well give them the trophy. If they get Soto, give them the trophy. I think you'll see Yankees, Dodgers, even if they get don't get so It's Yankees Dodgers is going to be in the World Series. Well, they still have to do a lot to make that happen because they do have the best record, but the team that's been our Achilles heel for the last four or five years still has our number in the Houston Nationals. So regardless if we get Soto, we get Castillo, we still got to be able to beat teams like that. That's the only team I really see in our way as far as making the World Series, which, I mean, that's been the case every year. We I think they get over the hump team. this year. I'm, I'm hoping they get over the but hump this year. I'm hoping too. But if we're going off of what the season looks like, they're two and two and four against against the Astros, mm-hmm. and they could easily be zero and six if not for a couple walk off home runs that won the game. So this is still a team that's our Achilles heel. So they got to make moves. I know the Astros aren't going to be quiet at the deadline. They know. They just came off of a World Series appearance. 
and they can make another one because nobody's really got the pedigree of this team. In your opinion, before we close out, right? What is needed to beat Houston, being that Houston has been a team that, as you said, has been their Achilles heel. So what is it that the Yankees need to do differently to make sure that they get over that hump? They need to worry less about hitting home runs and more about getting on base and hitting for average. So that's always been the problem. We hit all these home runs during the season. And you could look up and down the lineup. Judge is the best hitter on the team right now. He's hitting like 290, which is good, but not good if you're saying that's my best hitter on the team. Like, I want more guys who hit 300. So that's why if you bring in a guy like Ben Attendee, who's a lefty, that's a plus. You play in Yankee Stadium, got the short porch. He's hitting over 320. Uh So now you got that aspect of he puts the ball in play. He hits it where they're not. And we need guys who won't strike out. So hopefully by next week, this same time next week, Joey Gallo is on a different team because he's literally like the worst player in Major League Baseball. And I just cringe every time he gets up to bat because once it's 0-2, I'm just like, you might as well just walk back to the dugout. It's curtains right there. Yeah, it's curtains. So that's always been our Achilles heel is hitting for average because in the playoffs, it comes down to pitching. And the Astros have really good pitching. They still got Verlander, who coming off of Tommy John last year, he looks like he didn't miss a beat. He's, He's going to win the Cy Young again. Still is so solid. Yeah. And not, not missing a beat no. at all. So that, that's what it takes to beat the Astros, is pitching and timely hitting. Well, I think they get over the hump. I see Yankees, Dodgers. Mets going to have a good season, but I see Yankees-Dodgers getting there. I'm going to choose Dodgers win. I'm a Dodgers fan, so I'm choosing my Dodgers. Dodgers are going to win, but you already know the vibes. Make sure you like, subscribe, share, all that good stuff. But if you stay ready, you don't got to get ready. Bench mob, we out. Peace.